Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the best unranked sports podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud, The Final Third. My name is Alex, and like every Wednesday, except last one, uh, it is an absolute pleasure to be here with you guys. Uh, my ge- Well, he's not a guest anymore. He is my co-host now, Ben Meza, sitting across the table from me. Meza, table. Ha, yeah. <laughs> How are you, man? Oh, boy. We're into Spanish-English puns already. I love yes, it. Yes, sir. Alex, uh, I'm good. I'm happy to be back. Um, happy that uh, you know we're back in the studio after a week of some illness and just you know maybe a little lethargy. No problem there. I mean, you take your time, you come back with something better. I think we got a really good show today, man. Um, you know, I, I think that so much has happened, and you look outside; it's perfect soccer weather now. This is the best time of year because finally outside, it's looking like you can play again. I know I'm getting out to the fields right by my house. And titles are are coming into question. Yep, you know, Champions League, Liga MX, you know, all the domestic European leagues. It's an exciting time. So we have a lot to talk, to, lot to talk about today. Yes, we do. And funny you mentioned that it's uh, per- the perfect weather to start playing soccer. As we're recording this, it is 6-12. My brother is playing in Glendale Heights. His second outdoor game, he scored in his... In his first one. Nice. So he's a defender. I don't know how he scored. Oh, all right. But, but yeah, he's taking uh, notes from Sergio Ramos's book there. Yeah, except he doesn't score headers. He, eh. nah, he's kind of scared still. He's like, oh, I don't want to header the ball too much because that's no problem. He doesn't know. He'll learn. He'll learn. <laughs> he's, he's, he's only 10. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's uh, dive into our icebreaker. Let's talk about Irving Lozano. Uh, there's been a big rumor that he might be on the move to Europe, potentially Spain. Um, this summer, and my question here is, is Irving Lozano ready to play in Europe? 100% absolutely yes. Um, Irving Lozano, as you said, has been linked to a European move for a couple years now, and at 21 years old, I think that he's ready to go. Um, He's made it abundantly clear that he wants to leave for Europe, um, and he has Osorio's recommendation. I think it's time for him to go. Um, I have heard the La Liga rumor, and I think that would be an excellent destination. Do you have an idea of what club might be interested in? Celta de Vigo is a rumor. They do need a winger, so I think that's a really good option for for the Spanish team. Uh, Berizzo was talking about, uh, he's a manager for, um, for Celta, he said that he likes Irving Lozano, he likes the characteristics, and whatever he can bring to the table will definitely help a lot. But the only thing that he questions, and that's what I question as well, is the mentality. Is he ready mentally to play in Europe, to be challenged not only physically? Because in Mexico, he gets challenged like literally every single game that he plays. He's probably the most fouled player in Mexico. But is he ready to take it to the next level and face top-notch defenders? Not knocking on the defenders in Mexico, but those defenders in Spain... And in England and everywhere in Europe, they they know how to defend really well. Yeah, and, and, and they land some crunching tackles, that's for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, Europe is certainly a little bit more advanced as far as contact goes for the sport, but I don't think that should worry him. Um, Lozano was actually asked recently about his idea of going to Europe, and let me tell you what he said. He said, I feel good, ready, and prepared to get better and to play in a more competitive league. People have told me that I have the possibility of going to play in a better, stronger league, and hopefully I can improve my football. 
So it looks like he's going into this with the right mentality. He understands that this is another step in his career, that he needs to go overseas to develop maybe one level more. And I think that Spain is a really good place to go for a league that loves pacey wingers and attacking play. I can really see him doing well at Celta de Vigo um, up in Galicia. You're looking at them, and they're sitting 10th right now in the league. So it's not like he's going to have to worry about European play just yet. So he'll have some time to adapt to just regular La Liga life, focusing on the league play. You know, it's it's an extended season. It's not Mexico anymore where you're playing, um, you know, short tournaments. This is a year-long commitment. So I think that Celta Vigo would be an excellent destination for him. I've also heard that Ajax have been interested. So the Dutch Eredivisie, you always hear of uh, players going over there for youth development especially at Ajax, who have a famed academy, or used to. I would prefer to see the Celta Vigo move go through, but I think Ajax would be a great destination as well. Um, You know, the thing is, it's clear that he is the cream of the crop of the recent, you know, Mexican young talent. Um, So it's not that if he's going to be a star, he already is a star in Mexico. It's time for him to make that jump. I really hope he does move this summer, and even if he doesn't move this summer it's not too late to move the next summer and he was on the move supposedly last summer and i think manchester united was the team that that was being linked to him uh i don't know how he would have fit mm-hmm. in that system under jose Mourinho, a guy that doesn't really give an opportunity to the younger players he doesn't sure. develop players he kind of plays around with more established guys but lozano best of luck to him if he does go to um to Europe, and I'd love to see him play against the likes of Marcelo and Carvajal. Yeah, getting and, down the wing. It, there'd be some exciting duels, wouldn't there? For sure. And speaking of Marcelo and Carvajal and Real Madrid in Europe, let's talk about the Champions League because we did see four, uh, okay, three good games. There was one that was a, a complete blowout, and I think we should start with that one. Juventus and Barcelona, that was played on Tuesday. The only game played on Tuesday. We'll talk about what happened uh, a little later. Uh, Juventus, Barcelona. Pablo yeah. de Ibala, a coming out party, or was this almost Ooh, uh, announced already pretty much by him? Che note. What a night for Dybala. Um, Dybala's awareness and selflessness, it, it continues to astound me. I mean, when you think of how talented this guy is and how he's worked from the ground up from coming from the second division in Argentina with Instituto over to Palermo in Italy, where he really struggled at that team, he's built himself into a character that Juventus feels they can build themselves around for their more recent, uh, I wouldn't say rebuild, but renovation, younger renovation project after getting rid of Tevez, Pirlo, um, and Pogba leaving as well. Um, you know, it was time for somebody new to step in. And man, did Dybala show us that he's ready to do that. He And he showed it against Messi. You know, they compare him so much to Lionel Messi. He said, I don't want to be like Messi. I want to be like myself. I am Paulo Dybala. And I admire that and respect that completely. That goal that it, the first goal that he scored, man, that it <laughs> it looks like he has the experience of a freaking thirty five year old. That yeah. he takes a touch with his right foot, spins, takes a shot with the with the left, curls in. Terstegen, no way. And also, uh, PK wasn't really marking him as close as he should have, mm-hmm. so that gave him a lot of space. But li- two touches and a spin 
to score the goal. That was a beauty. Yeah, it was movement and attention to detail for the simple things in football, I feel. You know, sometimes I think that strikers may get into those situations and try to be a little too fancy with it. He stuck to the basics, and it paid off. It's funny because the commentator throughout the game um, from Fox, John Laguna, and uh, Mariano Trujillo, they were talking about how simple Juventus was playing. Simple, but very, very effective. And indeed, I mean, it was it was the way to go against the Barcelona team that was already looking weak from this past weekend. And uh, Definitely. I want to keep going with Juventus here. Oh, yeah, go In ahead. Italy, the debate ahead of the game was whether this Juventus is better than the one that lost in 2015 to Barcelona. You know, players we mentioned like Pogba, Vidal, Pirlo, they've all left, but... This team has gained a different kind of mentality by having a couple more years in the UEFA Champions League. Um, Buffon explained that yesterday, and I really think it's starting to show through that this team has a little bit more metal about them. And despite maybe the youth that's there, they're ready to contend with some of the more established powers like Barcelona, who now find themselves 3-0 behind Another first leg, hard defeat. Alex, do you think there's any chance of them coming back? And uh, I mean, they've shown that they can do it once in worse circumstances. So I don't know what you're thinking. Actually, I think that this circumstance is worse than against Paris because against Paris, it was a team that wasn't established yet in Europe. And they came out so scared, so terrified against Barcelona at Camp Nou in that that second leg. They came out terrified. And uh, Juventus, you think they're going to come out terrified against Barca? No way. They're like, we did this once, we're going to do it again. And you know what? If you guys try to attack us, we're going to counter you, and we're going to score as many goals as we like, or as many goals as we can. So I think Barcelona could say they could kiss the Champions League goodbye. It's it's <laughs> done and dusted. And I think the league, they can pretty much kiss it goodbye too because the way that they're playing, and they face Real Sociedad on, um, on Saturday, I believe. So it's not looking very pretty for Barcelona. They have to stick to the Copa del Rey at the end of May, which isn't enough. It's not enough for a big team. Yeah, that's difficult. Um, I know that I called Barcelona winning this tie. Uh, in our last podcast, but it's clearly looking like it's going the other way. Um, I think that the defense seems unable to cope with the pace of the game. We had two champions here. We had Juventus, champions of Italy, and Barcelona, champions of Spain. One champion was rampant. The other one, incredibly feeble. It, It looks like Barcelona has clearly lost some of that spark that separated them from the rest of the pack. And, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be the season that their fans were hoping for. They rely too much on their strikers. Way, 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 way too much. They don't pass the ball around as much as they did. They lose. Well, I mean, they keep possession, but they don't pass with a purpose anymore. They kind of just pass to pass, which is obviously not the way to go against a team like Juventus. If you want to break down that defense, you need to pass with a purpose. If you pass the ball mm. around, they're happy. Juventus is happy to just sit back, hold their result. But... Uh, yeah, I think Barcelona, like you said, they lost their spark. They don't have a Xavi, Iniesta, a little bit over his prime now. Messi can't do everything by himself. Neymar was isolated. Suarez, he had a couple chances. He wasn't there. Um, and then it's it, it's it's just tough. It's tough when your midfield isn't linking up well 
with your attack and they're not providing enough passes for your for your attackers that you rely so much on mm-hmm. so you know I, I think it's done and dusted barcelona they're just gonna go into that game and pretty much just um i mean just to say that they play those 90 minutes because they don't have much to play for okay well let's go to a game that finished a little bit more closer yeah i'm talking about atletico madrid against leicester city today um it you know, after 45 minutes at the Vicente Calderon, it looked like Griezmann's penalty was going to be all that there was separate them. And of course, that's how it ended. Sorry for the crazy build up there. But yeah, nothing happened after that. But we got exactly what we expected two counterattacking teams, um, which, you know, made for an interesting tactical battle to watch. Both of them lined up in a 4 4 2. At the end, it was just. A mistake that saw Griezmann tripped up right when Leicester were starting to find their feet in the game. And then Griezmann converts, and it's 1-0 in the Vicente Calderon. Now, understand this is the same thing that happened to Leicester against Sevilla in the last round. But do you think they're going to be able to overcome Atletico Madrid in the same circumstances going back home to England in the return leg next week? possible very possible uh i'm gonna go out on the limb and say that they are i think that if they can get a goal early on in the game like they did against sevilla off of a set piece a corner whatever they have the opportunity the momentum is just gonna go their way and who knows you know if leicester city can lock down and defend well and let atletico just uh take control of the game which we know that they're not very comfortable doing I think Leicester City has a, a good chance, but they only have a week to prepare that game. A little less because they play on Tuesday. So Right. No, I agree. Um, absolutely. I think that Leicester showed that they can defend very well today. Um, going into the knockout stages, I expected them to be kind of run rampant by you know these higher class attacks that are from Spain, like Sevilla and Atletico Madrid. But they've shown a lot of metal in being organized. And I think that Shakespeare has done a nice job of arranging that prose. Uh, Sorry for dropping the pun there. (laughs) Anyways, um, Lester defended well. And one thing that was interesting to me from this game were the long throw-ins from Christian Fuchs down the right-hand side. Um, (laughs) In Spain, they don't really deal with long throw-ins as much. It's a lot more technical. But in England, this is something that lower, you know lower table teams have been able to come away with. Um, And I understand that Leicester are the champions, but they are now a lower table team. Um, So it was interesting to see that Atletico Madrid struggled with some of these long throw-ins. Now, one of the issues is that Leicester are going to be losing Robert Huth, who got a second yellow card and will be suspended for the return leg. That means that Wes Morgan needs to come back into the side because he's been struggling with fitness. I don't see Leicester pulling it off if they have both of their center backs out for the game, but I also think that they could possibly pip um, Atletico Madrid in the return leg. Um, you know, I definitely think that Leicester's a different team playing at home, and there's a good chance for them. Diego Simeone is still going to have his hands full. Yes, he is, and you know, I I think if Atletico can advance. To the to the semifinals, I think they we might be seeing them again in the final. 
yeah we we just might and who knows this might be the year uh I, I, yeah, this is I a difficult test for them, and uh, they have shown resolve of being able to win even when they're playing against defensive teams. So we'll have to see how that goes forward. I, I'm looking forward to that next leg. I, I think that Craig Shakespeare knows that the that it's not done yet, and there's oh, more no, work to be hell done. Oh no, it's not done. <laughs> it's it, it's interesting. This is super interesting. And the other game, because there was three games played today. Um, we're going to talk about the first one that was played. Borussia Dortmund and Monaco, and let's talk a little bit about what actually happened before that game was supposed to play, supposed to be played um, Tuesday, yesterday, but there was a bomb or something went off. Um, oh yeah, explosions, explosions uh, by the Borussia Dortmund buses, and Mark Bartra suffered a broken arm and debris in his hand as a result. Um, at first, it was strange because it was reported that some firecrackers had gone off near the bus or something innocuous like that, but clearly it was something more sinister and dangerous. Um, really a tragic experience. Um, I, I, I can't make any sense of it. Tragic, but thank God that no one was severely hurt. Mark Bartra, it was just his arm, but he's fine now. He put a message on Instagram. He says that he's feeling a whole lot better than he was yesterday. So good for him yeah uh, i mean thank god but i mean it shows again that sports is not isolated from politics in the rest of the world that's true no matter how many times people like to say let's talk about the game and stay away you can't because they're in the same world as us and they're just as vulnerable to you know menaces that are out there so i really feel for this borussia dortmund team yeah and um no consideration from uefa I am extremely disappointed at the Federation for making them play today. Yeah, it's funny you um, mentioned that because I'm on ESPN FC right now. And Socrates said, I feel like an animal, not like a person, referring to what you just mentioned. So, uh, I mean, I totally understand that they shouldn't have played that. But the schedules are super tight, which makes you wonder how they would have done it. Um, and uh, before we actually start elaborating on this, I want to mention that this is this is scary, man, because they targeted the team. They targeted the players. Uh, I mean, even the players aren't safe, and you would think that those are the guys, you know, guys that put on the spectacle, that they would be a little bit more uh, more safe, more secure from those kind of actions and c- clearly show that they're not. Unfortunately, it makes it seem like they're a bigger target. Um, for certain groups that are interested in inspiring fear. And that's something that we as a society are going to have to deal with. Um, But those that are in the spotlight gather a little bit more attention and can probably affect more people, you know, through consequences happening to them. Uh, It's a terrible thing. I hate to think about it. Um, But I I have to go back to UEFA. I understand that the schedules were tight. But there is no reason that they couldn't have talked with the federations and possibly having this played on a weekend to possibly getting it rearranged somehow. This is not just schedules for a tournament. These are human lives that are being taken into account. And none of the Borussia Dortmund players felt that they were ready to partake in this match. I I can't accept UEFA's excuses that they talked to both teams and that this decision is made. It was scary that this decision is made. And the people that are in charge 
they have me losing a lot more faith than I already have lost in FIFA and UEFA. You know, usually UEFA's pretty, they're pretty coherent. They they do things usually right most of the time, but I think they really, they really got it wrong this time. And I think so. Yeah, Socrates said, I'm happy first that I'm alive. And then he said, it was the most difficult day that I have lived in my life, and I hope that nobody else has to live this day. After yesterday, I don't have any more space to think about the game. They, referring to UEFA, have to understand that we are not animals. We are people who have families, who have kids in the house, and we're not animals. I am happy that we are all alive, and the staff is alive as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, makes That's all wonder. that matters. Yeah, yeah all that sure. matters in the grand scheme of things, so we can understand that. Let's talk about the game. Yeah, let's talk about the game. The first half, man, Borussia Dortmund, they were totally not in the game because of what we just talked about. And then in the second half, they kind of came back. And uh, Pulisic, man, Pulisic, he's, uh, he didn't have the best of games, but he's always there. He's always in the play. They're always mentioning him, the commentator. So, you know, it's kind of hard not to pay attention to the guy. Yeah, he's an excellent option. How he runs at players is very dangerous, but... You know, it was all about um, Mbappe out there. His mm. legend continues to grow. Comparisons between him and Thierry Henry's Monaco days. Yes, what a finish indeed. Um, incredibly composed. He got a brace and that ultimately condemned Dortmund. Um, but what really condemned, condemned Dortmund, let's be honest, the errors from Bender and peace check. Um, you know, the own goal for one, which he was kind of blaming the turf it looked like afterwards. But, you know, that's difficult to go on. Um, a very strange own goal. I, I, I would not really see that coming. Um, somebody would have been better off just letting the ball go. But, you know, peace check on the other hand, which with a terrible back pass, and Monaco was through. Now, I don't think that, that the, uh, the leg is over by any no. means. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely not. We know that Jardim's men can concede, and that's what they did. Dortmund came away with two goals to keep the tie close. Thoroughly professional by them, don't you think? Yeah, I think that, well, we expected a very open, very open tie, and that's exactly what we got. We got five goals in in 90 minutes, so we got 90 more minutes to, to watch. Hopefully we get some more action because that two very young teams, very young teams. Um, Pulisic is 18, Mbappe is 18, Dembele is 19. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, these guys are so young, hungry, and fast. So, it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch to, to see how it unfolds in, in Monaco. We're Yeah, we're set for a great return leg in the Principality. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I guess let's hop over to the big game. Yeah, let's talk about it. Bayern right. Real. Yeah, Bayern Real. Weren't we all bummed about how these teams aren't meeting in the final and how big favorites are not going to make it? Mm-hmm. You know what I thought today? Mm-hmm. We get two games between these two teams. That's true. Yeah, how, we get one next week. How exciting is that going to be? I mean, we have two coaches on the touchline. Two of the five men that can say that they have won the Champions League as a player and as a coach between Zinedine Zidane and Carlo Ancelotti. It's a great tie to watch. I, I love the tactical battles today. And for the first 30 minutes, I was convinced that Byron were going to win it. They looked organized. They were following Madrid everywhere with the ball. They looked spectacular. And then the league, then the late changes and the tie got twisted. 
Yeah, at, well, what really ultimately changed the game and shifted it towards Real Madrid's way was that penalty missed by Arturo Vidal, which, yes. and you mentioned before we started recording, you said that he wanted, that it looked like he wanted to kill someone on, in the stands, <laughs> and that's true, he blasted the ball, and, um, you know, he's, Arturo Vidal, I personally, personally, I don't like him much, but he's, yeah, man, he's such a brilliant player, and, you know, he had, the penalty was called right away, he took the ball you're like yep I'm, I'm taking this penalty and you know he missed it but it is what it is you're not going to score every time well he did score the the goal for Bayern that still has this uh this tie open what you're right do you think it would have been a whole lot different if it was uh 2-0 not 2-1 for Real Madrid do you think they would have been more comfortable and said okay you know we're pretty much in the semifinal or the goal I think doesn't? I think that if Arturo Vidal scores his penalty after he already scored against Madrid and it was an excellent header, let's go back yeah. to that first goal real quick. I mean, pressure after two successive corners from Bayern Munich, um, and they finally were able to stick the ball in the net. That was deserved, and um, it was it was really cool to see Vidal make the space just from the pure athleticism that he has. Uh, you know, it is tough to find a guy likable when he has neck tattoos. But I will say <laughs> that the guy is a great player, and he is the midfielders of the future. Um, if there's a player type that Barcelona need to get with the times, it's somebody like Arturo Vidal who goes back and forth and is box-to-box -box and drives the team through the spine. He was still a beast all game long. Let's not forget that. But he missed the penalty, and man, it did Madrid respond two minutes into the second half, and Ronaldo equalizes with a, with a great volley. Oh, it was an excellent finish. Um, the guy, he amazes me as a finisher almost more than he does as a midfielder. I think that he could just be an all-and-out striker. That's uh, he's headed toward that towards that direction. He's probably going to be a, a striker. Uh, in the box striker um he reached 100 goals in european competitions congratulations to him that's crazy <laughs> 100 yeah. goals he well that was off the second goal yeah off the second goal yeah that which was also a great volley that he poked in between manuel neuer's legs i mean the guy has such awareness in the box it's crazy it's crazy by far well not by far but i think he is the best uh real madrid player of all time of all time. Of all time, yes. Wow. He's broken so many records in such little time. Like, I just... Of man, all the great goal scorers. It's Ronaldo, man. It's Ronaldo. I think it's Ronaldo. <laughs> I, maybe Even because... Even over the Galacticos days of, of the original Ronaldo. Roberto Carlos and Zidane. Oh, wow. Ronaldo is an illustrious company, that's for sure. But you're sure you're going to call him the best that Real Madrid's ever going to have? I, I think so. I I honestly think so. And it's going to be tough to break all those records because he did it in such little time that, you know, I mean, obviously records aren't like the most important thing, but for him they are. But uh, he broke them. He came, he conquered, and uh, now try to beat him. He's indispensable there, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, you know, so then the game really started to change. Um, I start, I mean, of course, the big moment, which may have been even bigger than the penalty miss, was Javi Martinez being sent off in a mm -hmm. second yellow card. Ronaldo drew the foul. It was a, it was a foul that was contact. 
Um, and Javi Martinez put his team in a very difficult spot. Not only is he out for the game, but he's also suspended for the second leg. And with Mats Hummels still in doubt, I mean, Jerome Boateng was only one card away from suspension. Luckily, he'll still be there. But who are I mean? So, I mean, who are they gonna put in? It's 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 gonna be strange. Improvise someone. Yeah, they're gonna have to find a way. Um, and then after that, you really started to see the tides shift towards Madrid. Um, they made they took advantage of being one man uh, more ahead and stretched Bayern essentially into having to go out onto the wings. And I really like the crossing game, counterattacking focus of Madrid. Um, it was something that was sustainable all game. Well, I think that Bayern Munich's high pressure wasn't going to be it wasn't going to be something that they could keep up for the full 90 minutes. So it was only a 45 minute thing and probably they got a goal and a penalty a missed penalty from that. Uh do you think Real Madrid is um pretty much in the semifinal already or Bayern still has uh, a big chance to advance? I think Bayern does have a chance to advance. Uh you don't just rule out a team with Lewandowski Ribery, who still looks, you know, incredibly young like Robin back in his too. World Cup days. Robin, too. Um, you can't rule out a team like that. I think that Bayern still has a chance. It's going to be difficult with the two away goals going to Madrid. Um, but I do still think they have a chance. I think that we're in for another very tactical and probably not super exciting, but v- probably an eventful second leg that will be full of little storylines. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, great European Champions League round that we were able to take in. Yep, for sure. Next week, all the second legs are going to be played. And uh, hopefully we get a lot of eventful games like you just mentioned. Now let's uh, dive to this side of the pond over here. Let's talk about Liga MX. And yesterday they played that match day 10 that wasn't played a couple weeks ago because the refs decided to go on strike mm-hmm. and how many games were there three there were three games three games yep yes um and starting out we had chiapas versus leon which was ended in a big nil nil two goose eggs for both teams look i mean this game is kind of a rubber stamp match uh when it comes to in terms of the ligia it's important that chiapas continue to get points because they are in a bit of a relegation battle with Veracruz, so it's important that they that they gather points. But you know, a tie against Leon probably could be seen as a good result. Uh, Leon, I really don't know how to make much of the team. They actually have less wins than Chiapas this season, but they have more draws, so they're in a better position. Um, you know, that's that's difficult to take as much of a compliment when you actually have less wins than a team like Chiapas, who are kind of miserable, but. I think that the game was just a rubber stamp match, you know, with both teams out of it. It's it takes something to keep them concerned. Chiapas players need to be concerned, but they didn't look like it. Um, I felt like they they have an idea that they're ambling towards safety, even though Veracruz in the other game was, you know, they're kind of right behind their heels. I don't know. Did you? I I wasn't able to catch this game personally, but I was keeping up with it. I didn't I, even I watch didn't, it. Yeah, it's yeah. not that ex- inspiring. Is no, it? it's like oh, Chiapas and Leon, uh, but SmackDown is on. I'll rather watch SmackDown, and that's what I did. I watched SmackDown. <laughs> you know, on a podcast as appreciative as, as the final third for different types of football, I like that we can still be honest when we say. 
yeah, that's a boring game. I'm not going to watch that. Because it's yeah. honest. We're just trying to be honest with you listeners. You know, we want to make sure that you're tuning in to the top class stuff. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we're not going to form an opinion about something we didn't watch either. No. So, you know, it was just a 0-0. Zero, zero. That's all we got to say about all it. All we got to say. All right. Moving on. Um, let's talk about Veracruz and Puebla. That, that game was... Uh, it was a relegation battle as well. So Yeah, and also a regional derby. I love it when Tiburones Rojos play the Camoteros from Puebla because those two teams in that region are football mad and they like going at each other, especially being two teams outside of, you know, the DFA or uh, Jalisco or Monterrey where the teams are traditionally stronger. Um, it, and it was a great game too. Veracruz came away with a 3-2 win. Very nervy, but very important for them. Um, they are still one point adrift from safety, uh, which is difficult to see. Um, Veracruz allowed Puebla to get back in the game after taking a 2-0 lead, uh, but they were able to nick it at the end when um, Vialva capitalized on his uh, brace and took it for the Tiburones. Yeah, I, I didn't watch that game either because it was being played uh, during Tigres and Chivas. At, well, at the same time, sim- simultaneously, obviously, and uh, big win for Veracruz. Big win. Mm-hmm. Um, the own well, the president Fidel Curi, he was there chanting with the with the fans and all that. With yeah. uh, that guy, man, he's something else. <laughs> that guy is crazy. He defends what we think is something that we can't defend, like the violence at at, at stadiums, and you know he's he. Um, he attacked the former president of the of the referees. Uh, it was what like back in January of 2016. He he attacked them physically, and he was suspended for a year. So uh, now he's over here chanting and saying "El Tibu no se va." So we'll yeah. see. Well, uh, I mean, if there's stay. some if there's something that can help the players get a little bit of spirit, it's seeing their owner, you know, in the uh, La Porra. And, you know, supporting the team like that, um, I still see them going down. And Probably. here's why. Probably. Look yeah. at their schedule. They have Necaxa at home and then Pumas away in the Universitario. Monterrey they have to host. And then Tijuana up in, uh, you know, right on the border. So I don't think that Veracruz are going to be able to pull out of there. Chiapas, meanwhile, have Tijuana at home. Then they go to Querétaro. They face Santos at home and then have Atlas away. Um, so I think that Chiapas will be able to accumulate a, enough points to stay safe while Veracruz will make the drop. Well, if that's unless Goody uh, goes and buys a, another franchise and, uh, you know, they do their little <laughs> movements. Uh, anyway, uh, let's talk about the big game from yesterday. Tigres and Chivas, big because of the result as well. 3-0 Chivas after that uh, comeback victory on Saturday night against Puebla. They, um, oh, Puebla lost again 3-2. They lost on Saturday 3-2, and then last night they lost 3-2. Um, I just noticed Oh, but that. did you see how they lost? Oh, my God, <laughs> man. Let's talk about that first. Let's talk Campestrini. about the error of the year. Uh, the goalkeeper howler. Don't we love those? Don't we love <laughs> to see those happen in in almost a way that you would you'd like somebody to slip off of a diving board? Like you know, you know, it's almost painful to watch when it happens, but you can't look away. Yes. Uh, all right. So for our listeners who don't know, um, Puebla was walking out of Guadalajara with a well earned two two. Point. And I thought it was well-earned. I watched the game, and I thought that Puebla did well to defend honestly and uh, 
fight back enough to come away with something. But Campestrini, in the last minute of stoppage time after collecting a ball, rolls it out in front of, in front of him, and Carlos Fierro, a winger slash striker for Chivas, is lurking behind him and just comes around, steals the ball, and sticks it in the net. Um, it, it, if it's something that you want to see, it has happened before. You can look up Shea Givens' error for Newcastle United when he was a youngster, and it's it's hilarious every time. Go to YouTube, look up Compostrini or given goalkeeper error, and uh, you'll get a laugh out of it. I can guarantee it. Unless you're a Puebla fan. Yeah, you're not laughing much, Alex. Are you a Camotero? No, I just <laughs> I, I laughed a lot on Saturday night and on Sunday morning, so uh, it's not that funny. You're spent. Yeah, I know. It's kind of sad now. Yeah, it's just like, oh, poor guy. And then he concedes three more goals last night. So, yeah, but anyway, let's talk about Tigres and Chivas now. The best player in Mexico, Andre Pierginiak, and I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. Um, Andre Pierginiak, I don't care what anyone says. When he shows up, he shows up big. He scored two goals against Chivas, against a fairly rotated team in Chivas, but they still very competitive, obviously. 3-0, Tigres, and all of a sudden, they could make a, um, a run to the for a spot Maybe even an eighth seed for the league, yeah, because that's how it is in Mexico. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Gignac's header. Wow, that's at the Volcana Light. Which one? The first one or the? Yeah, the first one. Five minutes in. Incredible, yeah. incredible stuff. Um, it was it was exactly what they needed. Um, he let the momentum. I mean, he he created the separation, and then was able to head home so firmly. It's it's obvious that the guy is the best player in Mexico and is helping Tigres out a lot here. Yeah, I mean, I I've kind of sort of had a man crush on him. If uh, <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter or on Snapchat, man, he's he's just a guy. What I like about him the most is that he felt the the jersey. He's like, you know what? I'm here. I'm gonna defend this jersey. And I love Mexico. I love Monterrey. That's that's just awesome. Not many players do that, especially if they come from like a European nation, and sure. or a European league like the French league, where he was a top goal scorer the season prior to making his uh, trip to to Mexico. So, you know, that's highly appreciated, even over here. People love him. Well, I mean, you either love him or you hate him, really. But um, clearly, he's making player. a difference, and he's giving Liga MX more. Uh, exposure. So that's great to see an international player. Um, in fact, Usmane Dembele, who we were just talking about, is a huge fan of Liga MX. Really? He, yeah, he follows Tigres and Andre Fierginac. That's awesome. Um, over from Europe. So, you know, the league's getting more exposure. That's great. But yeah, Tigres are still on the outside. Um, it's weird because they're a team that probably has a starting 11 of international players. Isn't that crazy? I mean, they have such great talent. And I was actually really impressed, and I know I've been kind of a boo-boy of him, but Jesus Duenas, this guy, he at, at center midfield, the, the versatility he has, even though I, I said that was the only credit that he had to him to continue to playing for the Mexican team, he pulls teams inside and out. Like, he has the ability to go either direction with the ball and has such composure that it gives the team a whole other dimension. Um, he was involved for the second goal for Tigres. He's the scorer. Yeah, he scored. And, um, you know, I, I just I give him credit where it's due. And, you know, clearly I was wrong in bashing him so much because he has 
um, a value to him, and that was shown. So will Tigre sneak back in? I see them being able to do it, and I worry what that means for my beloved America. Nah, I think they're still going to be in. <laughs> um, I worry for teams like Santos, Atlas, Pachuca. Okay, yeah, they have a, you know, uh-huh. it's a little more difficult for them. So we'll have to see. I mean, there's probably going to be a lot more movement in the league, and of course we have games tonight. Um, America's playing Nicaxa uh, later on, and, you know, I know that Nicaxa have been very much improving uh, making it far into the league, yeah, but I still pick America to get the win over Little Brother tonight. Yeah, former Little Brother because they don't—they're not owned by the same uh, TV network anymore. Yeah, well, they'll always still be, you know, Little Brother to America fans. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Just yeah, just what no, I'm gonna say. No, <laughs> it's very true. All right, so now let's talk about our last topic: the 2026 World Cup on Monday. A historic press conference was held in Manhattan, New York. Right by, uh, what do they call her? Lady Liberty? Mm-hmm. Statue of Liberty? Um, and it was the president of the United States, not Donald Trump, of U.S. soccer, of, of the Mexican yep. Soccer Federation, and of the Canadian Soccer Federation. And they all got together because they want to host joint the 2026 FIFA World Cup, which is going to be mm-hmm. the very first World Cup that's going to have 48 teams. I'm very excited about that. Ben, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, CONCACAF President Victor Montagliani came out and said that the United States, Canada, Mexico bid would be a perfect fit for the expanded uh, format of the tournament. I agree with him, but I think that the United States could have had it all to themselves. And I feel like tagging on Canada and Mexico for 10 games each and none of those games being really high profile, is insulting. Um, I think that it's pure politics. I think that it's trying to show that there is some semblance of unity through sport. And I think that FIFA is taking advantage of it, um, you know, for their own for their own good image. So I don't really feel... I feel positive that games will be here, um, but I think that the split could have been a little bit more even. I would have gone for 2020 in uh, Mexico, Canada, and then per- you know, yeah, that, that would have been the perfect for the United States. That would have been the perfect way to divide the games. But if you think about it, U.S. they wouldn't have been given this World Cup if it was just them going for the bid. I think that they did this so they can. Obviously, this is USA featuring Canada and Mexico. It's I, I mean the main guys. It's going to be USA, but. You know, obviously this was done for politics. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. And hopefully, yeah, I mean, we have until 2020 to see if, if they're going to be elected. But, you know, on a very, very early prediction, uh, well, you need 106 votes from the federations to win the, 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 the World Cup hosting. And, and a very early prediction that was made, CONCACAF, well, USA, Canada, and Mexico have 100 of. Uh, 106 so uh yeah the more countries you involve the more votes you get i guess right yeah so, so we'll but they I, I believe they vote by region so that uh, it, it's a mess that thing is, is a mess and uh do you think they're gonna win the the bid or no i want to go to italy switzerland 
Italy, Switzerland. Uh, that's still not as big as the United States. Italy and Switzerland are not okay. As big okay, combined. yeah. Put me down for put me down for uh, the twenty twenty six World Cup bid going to Mexico, Canada, and the United States, featuring a big wall. Well, uh, God, see, like I mean, there's that, no that, romanticism to it. I, I'm letting politics steep back in, but you know, you know FIFA is taking this tournament. And is flipping it around into some image that's making it look like they actually care about the unions of people around the world, and they don't. I, that's what—that's the biggest issue I have with this. Um, you know, I would have just preferred the tournament to be in the United States as a whole, um, or a more even split. I, yeah, I, I don't see any real sentiment coming from this. Um, but it is what it is, you know, as they say. And uh, I'd be happy to take in a game at Chicago. I guess that's the that's the truth of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, it's nine years away. We could be living in different cities. You, you yeah. know, we could be living in a different country too. <laughs> it's so, true. so you, it's true. You, you, you never just know. never know. And um, supposedly, from Sunil Gulati, president of U.S. Soccer, he said that uh, President Donald Trump was all for it and that he was supportive and that he was really happy to see that mexico was going to be part of uh, of that joint bid i don't know how much that that's truth but uh hopefully hopefully he doesn't hate us as much as as we think it means nothing (laughs) yeah absolutely nothing to me just words really but yeah i mean eh, donald trump probably doesn't even know what a world cup is we're so far away. Yeah, <laughs> he's not even going to be in office by that time. You Hopefully know? not. <laughs> but twenty. Well, I mean, by what's said in the Constitution, and we're getting too political. Uh, by what's uh, said in the Constitution, it's only eight years. By that time, we should have a different president if our country isn't a freaking mess. By if you're then. still listening, tune into MSNBC. Trust me, they're a lot better than us. Oh, something <laughs> even Fox News like they're oh, better than us. Ooh, I you don't know? know about that. I, I okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, let's just okay. You see, this is why we stick to soccer. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Ben. Let me. It end is all with over. Something. Go well, ahead. It is not over. It is not over. I have something to end with. Um, I'm going to give you a little weekly. Uh, feedback here diving into a little bit more of the hipster soccer world okay i'm gonna call it the promotion push every week i'm gonna come to you with a team from a lower division from some country that is making waves and looking to get promoted and this year this year it might be this year if this segment doesn't go well i'm gonna talk to you about atletico salaya from mexico they are in the liga de ascenso and they're looking to make a comeback Right now, uh, it's either them or Dorados de Sinaloa who might be coming up. Um, but keep an eye out for Atletico Celaya. They're back in the in the uh, Segunda or the Liga de Ascenso as a newly formed team, and they have uh, ex players like Cesar Villaluz um, from Veracruz, not Veracruz, Cruz Azul, um, and he was at Jaguares along with uh, Nacho Torres and Nelson Sebastian Mas, who was playing for. Um, Leon. So if you want to see some of these guys make a comeback, start supporting Atletico Celaya, the Bulls, Los Toros. Cesar Villaluz. Yes. Uh, U17 world champion back in 2005. Yep, that's the guy. That's uh, the guy. That's where he plays now. <laughs> alongside Carlos Vela and uh, Gio um, Dos Santos. 
What a do. team. That was a promising team. And the different paths that they take. Yeah, Chicharito wasn't part of that squad. And look at where he is. So so that's all I got for you. Motivation. All um, right. So that's going to be a weekly thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I think or so. Whenever. I think that there are a lot of great teams that are fighting for something lower down in the leagues that we don't get to talk to. And they deserve a shout out. Yeah, so. they do. When we should talk about them every week. I think that's a great idea. Eh, Thank just you, a little something. Yeah. All right. Give yourself a, a, a shout out now. Uh, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. Facebook. Please follow me on Twitter at Mesa underscore Ben. Um, you know, I'll be retweeting the podcast on there later today. Um, and then also looking to do a little bit of uh, promotion in the news world. I just came out with a news package that I'm looking to upload, so you can check that out. Um, the Illinois Media School. We're always up to great things and uh, preparing ourselves for being professionals in this industry. So I hope this was a professional podcast, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. It's a podcast. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You can follow me on Twitter at PerezTBE and Instagram and on Snapchat, PerezTBE. Like the Facebook page, Final Third Podcast, uh, facebook.com slash Final Third. I don't really post there often. I really should, and I say that every week. I should I should stop saying that and actually do it, uh, right? You know? uh, yeah, I'm gonna try poking him with a stick later on this week. Yeah, you should. And yeah, let him know. All right, and also I want to give my little brother a huge shout out because we did mention him in the beginning. He scored a goal, and his birthday is tomorrow. He'll be turning 11. Gosh, man, time flies by. I remember 11 years ago at around this time, I was sitting outside my house with my mom, wanting to play soccer because it was super hot. It was like it was probably like 86 degrees. It was so freaking hot. And then, um, yeah, it was good times, good times. And uh, he's going to be 11. He's such a good kid. Big 1-1, one, one, man. I mean, congratulations to him. Uh, I really hope that he enjoys his birthday. He will because he's, he's probably going to practice. He, I think he has practice tomorrow. He has practice. He, okay. he just loves to play. He, he loves to play. He doesn't like to watch games, but he loves to play. He's already better than i ever was even though we play different positions i have a feeling i'd hate to play against him because you know he's he's just so clean when he plays but dirty at the same time like he, he uh, he's not a trash talker okay but he's not scared of a tackle you know he sticks his leg out he pushes you around and he scores so what well, he sounds competitive to me so best of luck to him and happy birthday all right thank you very much ben thank you for being here we'll see you next week All right. Awesome. Happy to be here. All right. Take care, people. Goodbye.